0: And turn with me to the Old Testament book of Joshua, the Old Testament book of Joshua and chapter number 20, the Old Testament book of Joshua and chapter number 20. The last half of Joshua, we kind of do a quick summary fast forward version because there's a lot of detailed things that are occurring, uh, but not necessarily the summary that we're putting together for this specific series that we see that they have the three campaigns. They have the central campaign. They have the southern military campaign. They have the northern military campaign where they go and they conquer and they take the land. We see after that, that they start to divide the land, that they say Gad is here. Reuben is here and they go and divide out all of the territories and within it We see several things that are happening in the division of the land We spoke about and highlighted Caleb on Sunday night that Caleb said I want that mountain I want the one with the giants. I want that one right there And he was encouraged and said we could do it. God can do it. Let's go and let's take it And that was an encouraging message we um As you go through it, we see the dividing of the land. They move the capital city from Gilgal to Shiloh. They move the tabernacle and they move everything over there. Now at the tail end, at the end of dividing out the land, they now set aside six special cities. And that's what we're going to study about tonight in the book of Joshua in chapter 20, speaking about these six special cities that were designated and set aside for the purpose to be a defense for people to run to in times of trouble. And if you don't mind, let's look in the book of Joshua, chapter number 20, the book of Joshua, chapter number 20. And notice with me, starting at verse number one, Joshua, chapter 20, in verse number 1, the Word of God says this, The Lord also spake unto Joshua, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Appoint out for you cities of refuge, whereof I spake unto you by the hand of Moses, that the slayer that killeth any person unawares and unwittingly may flee thither. And they may be found for your refuge from the avenger of blood. And when he doth flee unto one of those cities, uh, shall stand at the entering of the gate of the city, and shall declare his cause in the ears of the elders of that city, they shall take him into the city unto them, and give him a place that he may dwell among them. And if the avenger of blood pursue after him... Then they shall not deliver the slayer up into his hand, because he smote his neighbor unwittingly, and hated him not before time. And he shall dwell in the city, until he stand before the congregation for judgment, and until the death of the high priest that shall be in those days. Then shall the slayer return, and come into his own city, unto his own house, unto the city from whence he fled." And they appointed Kadesh in Galilee, in Mount Nephletai, and Shechem in Mount Ephraim, and ker which is in Hebron, in the mountains of Judah. And on the other side of Jordan, by Jericho, eastward, they assigned Bezer in the wilderness, upon the plain out in the tribe of Reuben, and in Ramoth in Gilead, out of the tribe of Gad, and Golan in Bashan, out of the tribe of Manasseh. These were the cities appointed for all the children of Israel, for the stranger that sojourneth among them, that whosoever killeth any person at unawares might flee thither and not die by the hand of the avenger of blood until he stood before the congregation. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in Joshua chapter 20? Joshua chapter 20, and in verse number 2, the phrase cities of refuge. Cities of refuge. And for if you don't mind, we're going to take this exciting, important subject here and preach a message on the cities of refuge. The cities of refuge. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to you now and we approach this subject, I'm praying that this message would be the exact encouragement that these folks need at this place and time. Lord, I'm thankful for your word of God and I'm thankful that we could see Jesus all the way through it. And this is one of those clear pictures that we see of our Jesus and that we could ri- run to him for refuge. We could Flee to him in the midst of destruction and storms. And that you promise to give us protection. Lord, I'm asking that you would just fill me with your precious spirit now. I'm very conscious of my own inability. Lord, I don't want to preach anything in my own flesh, and my own ability. It's got to be you, Lord. You are the God that needs to speak to these good folks tonight. You are the one who is able to encourage them in the midst of their own life troubles and struggles and things they've got going on encourage your people do a work in the hearts of your folks here tonight and we love you in Jesus precious name we pray amen this is an exciting passage here it's only a couple verses long this chapter only nine verses but in here is a very powerful picture speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ dealing with these cities of refuge now, as the land has been conquered and as the land has been divided out so the people can continue to, to make a place for themselves and their children and their grandchildren and so on, that they also understand that within society that different things happen. Accidents happen, other things occur. And so they're setting up different cities for people to flee to in order to protect them from destruction that may... Yet to come. If you don't mind, the first thing I'd like to show you here is the purpose of the cities of refuge. The purpose of the cities of refuge. Notice with me in Joshua chapter 20, starting at verse 1. The Lord also spake unto Joshua, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, Appoint out for you cities of refuge, whereof I spake unto you by the hand of Moses. Now, this is something that wasn't last minute. This was something that was planned earlier and was spoken several times in the Bible that you need to set up these cities of refuge. You need to set them up. In fact, if you want to go back and do your own reading on this, we have them found in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 19. Deuteronomy 19 verses 1 through 13 is a big hunk of passage talking about how they're going to set up the cities of refuge and where they need to set them up. And then the book of Numbers, chapter 35. Numbers 35, verses 10 through 34, gives more instructions on the city of refuge and speaks a little bit more about who's supposed to be protected, what is qualified to, for someone to run to the cities of refuge. It gives a lot more details. But this is something that God had previously spoken about. And now after they've conquered the land, they divided out the land. Now they want to set up these cities for the protection of people in the time yet to come. Notice with me in verse number three. That the slayer that killeth any person unawares and unwittingly may flee thither. And they, may, and they shall be for your refuge from the avenger of blood now the reason why they have to set up this city for the avenger of blood is because capital punishment was a very big deal to the lord capital punishment is first set up as moses or as noah stepped off the ark the very first law that god set up was that if someone murders a person, they have to be killed themselves. And God set up government to be the function of carrying out this punishment that we see government set up. But capital punishment has always been in God's plan of setting up a society that is proper, that is decent, and in order. Uh, It has always been important. And so murderers... They don't get to be on death row for like 30, 40 years and appeal after appeal after appeal. I understand why our justice system does that. Uh, but murderers, according to the Bible, are to be their life is to be taken that God considers human life so precious he considers it so sanctified that human beings are God's crowning part of creation and they are very special and important to him that God has set up the 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 punishment of capital punishment for the crimes of murder God despises murder it goes on and speaks about this this capital punishment. And he made it clear that in the book of Numbers, uh, uh, chapter 35, I'm going to kind of summarize what is being said here. But in Numbers 35, verses 31 through 34, again, that was a passage I made reference to before. That it talks about that God made it clear that murderers, if they are not put to death, they would defile the land. It would make society start to fall apart. It would make things where it'd be more corrupt. That if murderers would, were not executed, if capital punishment was not set up and was not carried out, then the society as a whole would fail, the land would be defiled, and... God's blessing would start to be removed from that society. And so this was a big deal. So God also believes in protecting innocent life. All right. So in one part here, we have that God has said that if someone kills another person who, and, and it's murder, then that person is to be put to death. And then he puts certain rules for avenging the blood. But here in the cities of refuge, they are not meant to protect murderers. They're meant to protect those who accidentally killed someone. And in the book of Numbers 35, it goes and gives a little bit more rules. The whole chapter is pretty much dedicated to it. But let's say that I'm working on a ladder and someone happens to be going by and I drop my paint bucket. And it hits him on the head. It's just one of those freak things. And it kills the guy. Did I intend to murder him? No, it was an accident. So, because capital punishment was such a very important law and a very important punishment, because it was an accident, what would happen is that someone would be appointed to carry out justice for the death of the person who died. Because I don't want to die now, I'm innocent. I could go to a city of refuge to flee to and to plead my case and to have protection. We'll get more into that here in just a second. But this, the cities of refuge were made to make sure that people weren't punished for accidental death. Now, murder, it goes on and talks about murder is mostly dealing with motive. For example, if I hate a person and I plan their death, That's clear murder. But if I accidentally do something, you know, one of those freak accidents, something happens, uh, you know, like the paint can dropping, then there is a protection for me. So I would not be slain because of the accidental killing of someone else. This is what it's setting up, this, this protection. Verse number three, that the slayer that killed any person. So here we have the slayer. That he killed any person unawares and unwittingly. So these are very two key things. He was unaware and unwittingly. Meaning that he didn't do it on purpose. And it was more of an accident. It wasn't done for ill intent. It wasn't done to show him. It wasn't shown to revenge. It wasn't done because I hate this person. It was an accident. And unfortunately accidents sometimes occur. That they may... Be for refuge from the avenger of blood. Verse number four. And when he doth flee. uh, When he, that's the slayer. That doth flee to one of these cities. Shall stand at the entering of the gate of the city. And shall declare his cause in the ears of the elders of the city. They shall take him into the city unto them. And give him a place that he might dwell among them. So what would happen. Is that someone. Someone. Who would flee to the cities. First of all they would have to stand outside. And they would declare his case. So let's use my paint bucket thing. Alright. So I accidentally dropped a paint bucket. And I killed someone. Now their brother is coming to kill me. Alright. He says you killed my brother. I'm coming after you. Well I'm going to go to a city of refuge. I'm going to go there and said. I need to plead my case. It was an accident. I was standing on the ladder. The paint thing can drop it hit the guy I didn't even see the guy under there and now they're coming for me will you please give me refuge so he would go and plead his case to to the entering in then what would happen after explaining the case the fleeing person would expect to find protection within the walls and what would happen is that he would have to stay living in the walls in order to be guaranteed that protection Notice as it goes on in verse number 5. And if the avenger of blood, so the guy's brother comes up to pursue after him, so he's chasing after him, I'm going to get you for killing my brother, then they shall not deliver the slayer up into his hand because he smote the neighbor unwittingly and hated him not before time. So once again, this is, it wasn't a thing because I hated him and now I planned this thing. It was an accident. It just happened. That the city of refuge would give a protection, they could not come into the city to chase after me, and the city would not hand me over to them and and say, nope, you're guilty, hand them over, you do with them as you want. I would be guaranteed in these cities of refuge protection. So that way I would not be murdered or, or, you know, revenged upon for an accident. Now, again, the accident is the key thing. If I murdered someone in cold blood, then I, then the city would say, nope, <laughs> a capital punishment has to go through. You were guilty of murdering someone, then you have to carry out the sentence. But if there was an accident, I could run to this city, I could plead my case, and they could promise me protection. Now again, that key was premeditation. Notice in verse number six. And he, that's the person who did the accident, shall dwell in the city until, now here's the things that he, he has to do there, until he stand before the congregation for judgment. So basically, he has to have a trial. So he goes and they put on trial, and in the trial... I have to be proved that I or prove that I murdered the guy. And remember in Levitical law you had to have two witnesses. I heard him talking about he was planning on killing the guy and I saw him do it. You know, they had to have two witnesses, a testimony of two witnesses. So without those two witnesses and I I just dropped the paint thing. I didn't do it. I did not kill him on purpose. It wasn't intentional. It was an accident. There would be a trial, and the people would do in judgment, and they would rule, okay, he did not do it. He did not kill the person. So he could stay in the city until he had the trial, and until the death of the high priest that shall be in those days. Then shall the slayer return and come into his own city, and into his own house, and to the city from whence he fled. So what would happen is that the slayer would remain in the city until he went through a trial, then... When the high priest, the high priest of Israel died, when the high priest of Israel died, everything reset. Now I can go back to my hometown, to my own home. And by the way, the slayer, the avenger could do nothing to me. The time has elapsed. I could leave the protection. But until the high priest died, the, the city would actually give the guy a place to live. They would take care of him. They would try to allow him to flourish and to stay in that society until the high priest died. But that city was to give him that protection, to take care of his needs, to allow him to, to, to survive there. But when the high priest died, all the cases reset... So I went through a trial. Then the high priest died. What happened is that no one can go legally and get revenge on me. I'm now cleared of all charges. The debt's already taken care of. The death of the high priest was what's required. Now I can go back home and resume my normal life again. But... This is what is set up. This was the laws. And again, the other passages in Deuteronomy 19 and Numbers 35 gives a lot more details about what's going on. And Joshua is giving a summary about what's occurring that they set them up and give a quick summary of why it's for. Now, the next thing I want to show you here, not only the purpose of the cities of refuge... But the names of the city of refuge. Names are always important. Notice as they set up these specific cities. And verse number seven, it says this. And they appointed Kadesh. The first city we see here is Kadesh. Kadesh means the holy place. Holy place. So basically, this is the holy place. You could go there and you could get protection from the Lord. You can go there and spend time with him, Kadesh. After that. They appointed Kadesh in Galilee and Mount Nephletai, the second city, and Shechem in Mount Ephraim. Shechem means strong shoulder. Basically, it's, I could go there and I could expect the protection of someone who's strong. It, it just that city is supposed to carry that, that I could go there and I could get the protection I need. And they appointed Kadesh in Galilee and Mount Nephilitai, Shechem in Mount, Mount Ephraim, ker jareth Araba. Which is in Hebron. By the way, that's uh, Caleb's mountain, if you remember from the other day. So you can go up to this city, which is in Hebron, in the mountains of Judah. Um, Hebron means fellowship. So you go to the city of Hebron, it means fellowship. I can go there and enjoy the fellowship. After that, in verse number eight, and on the other side of Jordan, by Jericho eastward, they assigned Bezer in the wilderness, upon the plain, out of the tribe of Reuben. Bezer means the strong hiding place. Bezer is the strong hiding place. After that, we have um, and Ramoth in Gilead, out of the tribe of Gad. Ramoth means the high place. It's the high place. I could go there and seek for refuge. And on the other side of Jordan, by Jericho eastward, they assigned Bezer in the wilderness on the plain of the tribe of Reuben, and Ramoth in Gilead out of the tribe of Gad, and Golan in Bashan out of the tribe of Manasseh. The word Golan means the enclosure for captives. That's a small word for a big phrase there. The enclosure for captives. Now, each of these cities had special features. Each of these cities were built on hills, so that way you could always see the city of refuge. They were built on hills. You could go and run to it. They're easy to find. They're not tucked away in a valley. You could go and and see them. You could see that light post. In addition, they were on a plain marked road. Have you ever tried to find someone's directions and the roads don't match up and you have to find the twisty and turns and they, these cities were on a plain marked road where anyone can follow them and know how to get to them. In addition, following this, there was a Jewish law that was passed that once a year the road was to be repaired and clear signage was to be posted so all could find it. So it was made so it was on a hill. The roads are clearly marked. The roads are easily travelable. It's trying to make it so everyone can make it to the city of refuge. In addition... There was not a single city of refuge that was not within a day's journey of anywhere in Israel. So within a day, if there was an accident happen and I know that the people are coming for me, I can easily make it within a day to one of these cities of refuge. You see, it's made in, God made it this way that anyone can have access to it. Anyone can see how to get to it. They can easily be found and it's easy to get to if I have that need. God made it so it would be easy to. Another wonderful thing. Is that it was available to Gentiles as well as to the Hebrew people. Notice in verse number 9. And these cities were appointed for all the children of Israel. And for the stranger that sojourneth among them. That whosoever killeth any person unawares might flee thither. And not die by the hand of avenger of blood. Until he stood before the congregation. So this is a big deal. That you didn't have to be just a part of a group. Anyone could take advantage, anyone could run to the city of refuge, anyone can go and get the shelter they need from the destruction that was sure to come if they didn't flee to the city of refuge. So these cities are set up and they're a very practical part of society to protect people who were innocent, who did not intentionally murder or kill someone with intent. That if it was an accident, they would not die because of the accident. Now, we hit the practical. We talked about the purpose of the cities of refuge. We talked about the names of the city of refuge and some facts about them. But let's get to the good stuff. Let me show you about how Christ is pictured in the city of refuge. Let's see how Jesus is pictured here. If you don't mind, I want to turn to two passages really quick. And then we're going to come back here. But turn with me to Psalm 46. Psalm 46. I want to show you some things that the Bible says comparing Jesus to these cities of refuge. Psalm 46. Notice with me in verse number one. Psalm 46 and verse number one. This is very clear. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. You know what that means? That God says when you have trouble, when you have heartbreaks, when the world is coming after you, when you are doomed for destruction, you can run up to God. And He is your strength. He's your refuge. What is a refuge? It's a safe harbor. It's a place of protection. You can always run to God. Dear friend, I don't care what troubles you may have, whether they're family problems, whether they're financial problems, whether they're physical problems, you can always run up to God. And you can get safe harbor from Him. You can get the protection you need. Run to God. Run to God. He is my refuge, He's my strength. He is a very present help in trouble. Aren't you glad that God is never far away when you need Him? He's there and available. Let's see something else. Now, there's a lot of passages that make reference to God being a uh, present help. But I wanted to show you this one. Let's go to the New Testament. Let's see about Jesus, if you don't mind. The book of Hebrews, chapter number six. The book of Hebrews, chapter six. While you're turning there, many of you know that Hebrews is my favorite book. I love the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews takes the Old Testament economy and... Filters it through the light of Jesus. And through the book of Hebrews, the key word is better. That Jesus is better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than the tabernacle. He's better than the temple. His blood is better than the sacrifices. And it goes on and it compares it over and over that Jesus is better. You want to know what's better than the cities of refuge? Jesus. Notice with me in the book of Hebrews chapter number 6. Hebrews 6 and verse number 8. That is not the passage I was looking for. Good. Isn't it funny? That doesn't happen to me that often. I usually have it set up. Oh, well. Okay, never mind. It's verse 18. Ah, That's what happens when you type stuff. Sometimes you miss that one. Good. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 18. That by two immutable, that word immutable is a big fancy word that means unchangeable. That there are two immutable, unchangeable things in which was impossible for God to lie. Aren't you glad that it's impossible for God to lie? It's not that that he chooses not to lie. It's impossible for him to lie. That's one of the unchangeable things. God cannot lie. A second thing we see here. By two immutable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, that we might have a strong consolation, who hath fled for refuge to lay a hold upon the hope that's set before us. You know what he is? We could flee to this refuge. We could run to Jesus. That God can't lie. That's one thing that's unchangeable. One thing that will never change is that God cannot lie. The second thing that cannot change, the one thing that cannot bend, is that you could always run to Jesus for help. There's never a time where he will say no. Anytime that you have a need for him, even if you're in trouble, you could always find refuge in Jesus. That is an unchangeable fact. Dear sir, I don't care what type of problems you may have. You could always run to Jesus. Dear lady, I don't care what you may feel like. You could always run to Jesus. You can always run to Jesus. He will always be a refuge in time of trouble. He is always there. He will never shut down. He will never turn you away. He will always take you in. Oh, what a wonderful thing. So the Bible makes several references about how God and Jesus are a refuge we can flee to. But may I compare, if you don't mind, let me t- do a comparison of how these Jesus and the city of refuges are the same one comparison is is that both Jesus and the cities of refuge are within easy reach of a needy person oh aren't you glad that Jesus is always within easy reach for whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved you could always get to Jesus you could always run to him you could always find him remember how the roads And and everything was set up. The roads were always repaired. There was clear signage. It was on top of a hill. It's within one day's journey. Why were they made that way? So anyone can make easy reach to one of these cities if they had to. All you have to do to come to Jesus is just run to Him, flee to Him, talk to Him, ask Him. He is always available. You'll never get a busy single with God, you'll never get one for English. Two for Spanish. Three for Chinese. Whatever else. You could always find him. There's always someone on the line. You could run to him anytime. He is always within city reach. You know these cities of refuge would be useless. If someone couldn't get to them. If it took. If it was across the country. You know like Disneyland. Some of you can never make it to Disneyland. It's just too far away. Well these cities of refuge. They're within easy reach. And Jesus It's just there available. Whenever you need him, you could always flee and run to Jesus. He's our city of refuge. What's another comparison we can make between these cities of refuge and Jesus? Both Jesus and these cities of refuge are open to all. They're open to all. Not just the Israelite. You know, aren't you glad that you don't have to be a Hebrew person in order to go to heaven? To go to Jesus. Aren't you glad that you don't have to be an oriental. That means someone who lives in Asia. That's what Israel is. They're in Asia. In order to go to them. You can live in North America. Aren't you glad you don't have to be in a certain time frame. Only those in the 1800s and below. They can go up. No. We can all make it. We, it's never going to be full. Anyone go. They will accept anyone. Jesus loves the little children, red and yellow, black and white. They're all precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. You can run up to them. They will always are open to all, whether you're Gentile or whether you're Hebrew. No one has to fear that they'll be turned away from the place of refuge in their time of need. Jesus will say, no, I don't like you. You can't come in. No, he'll always say coming in. Just come, just come. What other comparison can we make between Jesus and these cities of refuge? We know that both Jesus and the cities of refuge become the place where one in need would live. You know, in the cities of refuge, if you came to them, they were obligated because how the city was set up so you can live there as long as it takes. You know what happens when you run to Jesus? You don't have to go in Jesus and out. You can just abide in Christ. You can stay in His presence. You can stay with Him. You can live with Him. You can abide with Him. And the city's a refuge. You know, you don't come to a city of refuge in time of need just to look around. <laughs> you come to stay. You know, I, I know I need help, but I just want to go see uh, this field over here, this museum, and then I'll be on my way. You're there to stay. You're there to be there. When you come to Christ... You don't have to go shopping around. You're there to stay. You're there to stay. Something else about this Jesus and the City of Refuge is that both Jesus and the City of Refuge are the only alternative for the one in need. Without the specific protection, they would be destroyed. If I dropped the paint can on someone by accident and the Avenger came, if I was not in a City of Refuge, I was in danger. And they could take my life. It was only if I made it to the city of refuge. Did I have this protection. I had to flee to a city of refuge. If I chose not to flee to a city of refuge. Well I could take care of myself. I'm going to be all fine. I could do it myself. I would be in danger of being destroyed. Well dear friend. If you think you could. Try to make it to heaven on your own. If you think you could somehow be good enough. That you could talk your way out of it. I'm sorry to tell you that it won't work. Jesus says in John chapter 14. That Jesus said I am the way. The truth. And the life. No one goeth to the father. But by me. There is no other alternative to get to God. But by Jesus Christ. Same thing with the city of refuge. There was no other alternative. If you wanted your life to be spared, if you didn't want it to be destroyed after an accident, the city of refuge was the only hope that you had. What else do we see about Jesus and the city of refuge? Both Jesus and the city of refuge provided protection only within the boundaries. To go outside meant death. You know, the avenger, the uh, person who's to avenge, They could wait outside the city walls. They couldn't go in and get me. But if I chose to be stupid and go outside the walls, that's free game. You went outside of that protection at your own risk. You know, when we run to Jesus, we can stay in that protection. Dear friend, when you choose to say, I've had enough of this, I'm going to do my own thing for a while. Let me tell you, dear friend, you're in lots of danger. You don't have that protection Well, I don't need this church thing anymore. I'm going to go back to drinking. I'm going to go back to doing this and go and do this. You're in danger, dear friend. It's when you stay within the walls, the boundaries that God has given you. You could be guaranteed that protection. Outside of that, there is no guarantee. You do it at your own risk. What else do we see about the city of refuge and Jesus? With both Jesus and the city of refuge, full freedom. Not this protection, but full freedom comes with the death of the high priest. And the cities of refuge, when the high priest died, everything was cleared, everything was erased. You can go back to your old life and live. And you can have the full freedom that you once uh, that, that you could have. With us, because our high priest Jesus Christ, he died, we can have forgiveness of sins. And will no longer, oh God, the dead of hell ever again. It's been erased from that account. It required the death of the high priest. It required the death of someone else to give us the full freedom. You see, these cities of refuge are wonderful things. You see, God is trying to highlight to the children of Israel time and time again through the tabernacle, through the temple, through the cities of refuge. The whole time they're trying to point them up to Christ, trying to point them up to Christ, trying to use these as pictures. You know, if you were to go back and talk to an old Hebrew person who knew the law, who understood the cities of refuge, you could say, let me tell you about the Son of God. Who died for you. And if you run to him, you can get protection and you could do this comparison. You could show them that it's Jesus this whole thing was pointing to in the first place. He is the only hope, He is the only refuge, He is the only source we could run to. He's what we could go to. It is Jesus. It is Jesus. By the way, dear friend, we're not. We're just talking about salvation. But if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, run to the Savior today. He is the only hope. The only hope that you have a full forgiveness, full free and forever that you'll know never. Oh God, the penalty of hell ever again. But dear friend, even after you've accepted Jesus, let me tell you. You need to stay abiding with him. That any time that you run into trouble. Run to Jesus. Don't walk. Don't skip. Don't prance. Don't waltz. Run to Jesus. Run to him. He is a very present help. In a time of need. Why is it. That we wait until things are so bad. Before we finally run to Jesus. We wait until that avenger is nipping on our heels. We should have run in the first place. We need to go seek him. We need to go abide with him. We need to go hang out with him. We need to run to him. We need to have his protection. We need to have his help. Run to Jesus. He's our city of refuge. He's the place where we go to get that protection. He's where we go to get that help. And I want to remind you that there are two immutable things. That God cannot lie. And he'll never turn you away. He'll always accept you. If you run up to him and say, Jesus, I need help. He'll accept you. What a wonderful thing. Let me tell you, friend, we have hope. We have hope. I don't know all the trials that you have. I know some of your trials. But I don't know what you're struggling for. Maybe it's sin that you have sin all around you. And you're starting to see the consequences. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Having problems with family. Run to Jesus. Having problems with health. Run to Jesus. Even stuff like finances. Run to Jesus. It doesn't matter what trouble it is and where it's coming from. Run to Jesus. Are you having an emotional day where it it may not make logical sense, but you think everyone's after you or you just angry and you don't know what. run to jesus run to jesus run to him flee to him go to him don't wait for the consequences don't wait for the avenger don't wait for the destroyer to come run to jesus run to jesus